Everyone? We're a bit lean on people tonight, but that's understandable, I guess. They must have heard I was speaking, so. <laughs> so it's, uh, yeah, so it's my privilege to um, speak tonight. And uh, we all know how important faithfulness is to the Lord, whether that's in our ministries, uh, the people around us, but also just the good works in the church and, and in the world. These things are central to being a good church member. But another aspect of, uh, of the local church and where we can have a huge impact is uh, our relationship with our pastor. So this is, a, this is an area that I want to talk about tonight. And it's just basically I've titled it Things That I've Learnt About Pastors. So uh, I'll pray now, then we'll get into it. Heavenly Father, I thank you for this opportunity now to speak. I pray, Lord, you'd help me. I pray, Father, that you would guide me. And I pray, Father, that everything I say will be glorifying to you, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. So first of all, what is a pastor and why are they so important to the church? As always, the Bible always gives us the answers that we're looking for. And um, God makes sure that he gives us all the answers to life, basically, in our Bible. And especially when the questions arise in our service to him. So exactly what a pastor is and his role in, in our local church, the first can be defined as literally a helper or a feeder of the sheep. Uh, they minister to all the sheep that belong to Jesus. And in God's eyes, a minister is a very great thing to do. If you'll turn to Matthew chapter 20, and the, thing, and the reason why in God's eyes a minister is such a great thing, it's because it's exactly what Jesus did on earth, ministering to others. He, he, lived, he, uh, he ministered on earth to others and he also lived for others the whole time he was on earth. Matthew 20, and I'll read from verse 26. But it shall not be so among you, but whosoever will be great among you, let him be your minister. And whosoever will be chief among you, let him be your servant. Even as a son of man came not to be ministered unto, but to minister and to give his life a ransom for many. And so beside that literal sense of the word pastor, there's also another word that the Bible uses, and that's bishop. And basically, that's the Greek word for bishop in the, commons, in the common general sense is like an overseer. So Jeremiah 3.15, it says, And I will give you pastors according to mine heart, which shall feed you with knowledge and understanding. Ephesians 4.11 says, And he gave some apostles and some prophets and some evangelists and some pastors and teachers. And then in Ephesians 4.12, we see this verse, and that gives us the exact reason why God gave us pastors. For the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ. Till we all come in unity of the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ. And God also says in his word that those who are in service to him will also be honoured by him. In John 12.26 it says, if any man serve me, let him follow me, and where I am, there shall also my servant be. If any man serve me, him will my father honour. So without a doubt, we see that the pastor is someone that God has given to our local church, to a local church, and he's very important in God's eyes. So therefore, it stands to reason that if something's important to God, it should therefore be also very important to us. For me personally, so what I've seen in pastors that I have... Um, I guess, um, I guess admired or looked up to over the years, there have been men with character traits such as integrity, humility, diligence, discernment, faithfulness, a genuine care for others, 
but they're also prayerful men and also men with um, excellent biblical knowledge. And these make up the things which stand out to me. So basically, that's my intro. And I just want to, just laying the basic groundwork why it's so important that we have a pastor, why a good relationship with the, uh, with the pastor is important, and basically how we could be good church members and treat um, God's man how he wants us to, according to his word. So turn to Hebrews chapter 13. And for the first point, it's basically, it's the position that matters, not the person. Hebrews 13 and verse 7. Remember them which have the rule over you, who have spoken unto you the word of God, whose faith follow, considering the end of their conversation. I think we need to cement this in our hearts and in our minds, that the position is the thing that really matters. If we have this understanding, then it shouldn't matter who God has given us to be our pastor while they are performing the role as God intended in the Bible. The Bible says we should also follow their faith. We have a checklist um, given to us as a guide to what a pastor should be in 1 Timothy, 1 Timothy 3, 1-7. And that recently, um, Brother Josh ran us through that list right before we voted for our new pastor. And um, so while the man in the position of pastor fulfills the requirements we see in 1 Timothy, then we need to honour that position. God is very big on positions and roles and honouring these things, even to the point where Paul commands the church to be subject to the higher powers in Romans 13, 1-7. And at that time, the higher power was the emperor of Rome. That's someone that I wouldn't want to have over me. <clears throat> Paul emphasised the position, the importance of this position, even though he knew that he was soon going to face certain death because of that person in that position. But he knew God had ordained it. This importance translates to all the, all the roles God sets up, from the husband being the head of the home through to the king being head of the state. The pastor is also ordained as overseer of our local church. We develop problems with our leaders when we develop problems with the personality in the leadership role. We need to remember it's the role we respect first, and we've got the choice that we can either make the pastor's job a joyful one or one that's full of grief. And one's going to be profitable to you, the other will not. And that being said, we don't submit to anyone in blind, submissive obedience because God, God's very clear that he wants the pastor to treat the flock with godly oversight. First Peter chapter 5, it says, The elders which are among you I exhort, whom, whom am also an elder, and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. Feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy, filthy lucre, but of a ready mind, neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. So we do need to follow the pastor's direction as long as his leadership is consistent with the scriptures. If you don't agree with a decision he's made, but it's not against the scripture, but maybe it's just a preference, what we need to do is just pray for him, pray for him for wisdom, for discernment, instead of criticising and talking negatively with others about it. Let God deal with it, the Holy Spirit will do a much better job than us. And that's just an area that we can just show some faith in God that he will look after the situation. Our pastor is accountable to God and God works through headship and not the other way around. In God's order, it's actually a little bit more like the military. There are different levels of headship over various areas and they're all subject to the top brass, which is obviously God. So our pastor is in headship over the church under Jesus, the chief shepherd. 
And if you, if, you want, if you want, you can liken it to the human body in a way where obviously Jesus is the head and then you could liken the pastor to a, the central nervous system who will receive the messages from the head and direct it through the body. So just remember, it's the position, not the person that matters. If you can maintain this position, and even if it turns out that perhaps the pastoral position was abused, you're still right with the Lord. David is an excellent example for us in this respect about letting God raising up and bringing down people. So as I said earlier, it should not matter who God has given to be our pastor. While they are performing the role as God intended in the Bible, we should follow their faith and not let examples of bad pastoral leadership cause us not to trust God in what he's doing with us here in our local church. And the second point, we need to understand that the pastor is going to face many battles. The spiritual battles pastors face are very difficult. That's why in 1 Timothy chapter 2, Paul urges believers to pray for the people in positions of authority. It says, 1 Timothy 2, verses 1 and 2, I exhort therefore that first of all supplications, prayers, intercessions and giving of thanks be made for all men, for kings and for all that are in authority that we may lead a quiet and peaceable life in all godliness and honesty. And also in Samuel 12, 23, it says, Moreover, as for me, God forbid that I should sin against the Lord in ceasing to pray for you, but I will teach you the good and the right way. This was Samuel when he was directing the children of Israel when they wanted a king. And he told them that God was displeased with them for doing that. But this principle of praying for others still applies when we should be praying for people, especially leaders. Um, it's a sin not to be prayerful. We also have no reason to complain or criticise when we see our pastor go through difficulties if we haven't been praying for him. We have to be uplifting him in prayer and then physically helping him when possible, um, just like we like help when we get hit with all the things that life throws at us. Can you imagine the feeling of support, encouragement and strength that's put into a leader when he knows that his people are praying for him? How often will you encourage our pastor? A simple text message may turn his day around completely. In Acts 4.24, when the religious leaders had threatened Peter and his company, the church responded in this way. It says, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord. Can you imagine the feeling of pressure of that threat just given to the leader, but then all the people begin to cry out to God in one accord? That would be such a relief to know that the people are fully behind you in support. And then in Acts 12.5, Peter is arrested and thrown into prison, but prayer was made for him fervently by the church. In Acts 12.12, 12, he was miraculously released by an angel, and then he goes to Mary's home and he sees many gathered together praying. This would be such a huge encouragement. We need to be supporting our pastor when he's in these spiritual battles. Let the pastor know that you're praying for him. It will give him courage to minister with boldness and also with confidence. Strengthen and encourage the pastor through prayer. And um, God can then remove burdens and break yoke of bondages. Isaiah 10:27 it says, And it shall come to pass in that day that his burden shall be taken away from off thy shoulder and his yoke from off thy neck, and the yoke shall be destroyed because of the anointing. Do you truly believe that God anoints our leaders? If you do, then you will pray as God says to pray and you will see the hand of God move to help those who need it. Our, pa our pastor will face many battles just like we face many battles, but there's no doubt that spiritual forces will attack leadership, especially in the church, so we need to be praying for them. 
You just remember what happened in 1 Chronicles 21.1. And it says, Satan stood up against Israel and provoked David to number Israel. Satan will directly attack the leadership. The devil did it then and he does it now. He stands against the church and he tries to provoke the leadership to go against what God wants for his people. The spiritual battles pastors face are very difficult and that's why as believers, as members, we need to pray for all people in positions of authority. The third point, be faithful to the pastor that God's given to our church. I have no doubt that one of the greatest things a pastor can have are faithful and loyal people in his ministry. Sometimes the sad thing is is that there's fewer faithful people in a typical church than those who are not. Scripture gives every indication that this has been the way. In, even in Ephesians chapter 1, 1, it says, the saints which are at Ephesus and to the faithful in Christ Jesus. There seems to be a different differentiation there. And in most churches, just like in most organisations, the case is that there's an 80-20 rule where 80% of the work is done by 20% of the people. And the only way that, a, and sadly that's the same in churches, the, the only way a pastor can accomplish what God wants him to do is to have faithful and loyal people behind him. He can't do it alone. If you turn to Psalms chapter 12, we see here in verse 1, Help, Lord, for the godly man ceaseth, for the faithful fail from among the children of men. They speak vanity, every one with his neighbour. With flattering lips and with a double heart do they speak. Many churchgoers will talk with good talk, but they aren't there when the pastor and the church really needs them. Proverbs 26 talks about people talking themselves up, but a truly faithful man is hard to find. How often have you made a commitment to our church and then failed to follow through? Our pastor will be depending on you. In James chapter 5, verse 12, it says, let your, basically it says, your, let your let yes be yes and let your no mean no, otherwise we fall into condemnation. This includes your support during good times and bad. Many people are faithful, dedicated and loyal when things are going really well in the church. But when things get hard, they're gone. God will deal with anyone who comes against his servant. So let's always stand behind God's servants in full support. God promises his blessing will be upon all those who are faithful. The blessing will be there. Just continue to stand firm behind your pastor through the rough times as well as through the good. And God will take care of anything else that needs to be dealt with. When we look at the Bible, we see that many people benefited from remaining loyal to the leader that God had placed in their lives. We just think about how Joseph rose mightily after he served faithfully whoever God put over him. Think of Joshua and his leadership, and this came after being faithful to Moses. Think of how God gave David the kingdom after he faithfully and loyally served King Saul, even though that king wanted him dead. Then you have a look at the great works of Elisha. God used him so greatly after he proved himself faithful to Elijah. And even to his master's death, Elisha would not abandon him. And that list goes on and on. Nearly all the great people in the Bible followed their leadership faithfully until God raised themselves to their own prominent positions. This is a pattern <clears throat> throughout the Bible and is a pattern for us to learn from. One of the greatest things that a pastor can have are faithful and loyal people to his ministry. <clears throat> and the fourth point, be a teachable church member and willing to change. Having a teachable spirit is very important if you want to be a blessing to the pastor and to the ministry. It's very, very difficult to pastor or lead anyone who is not willing to change. <clears throat> 
One of the purposes of having a pastor is for them to be a spiritual leader and a mentor to you. And God gives us a pastor for this thing as well as many other things. If you turn to Proverbs chapter 9, Proverbs, as they always do, provides some pretty timely advice that we can all adhere to. And we look at verses 8 to 10. Reprove not a scorner, lest he hate thee. Rebuke a wise man, and he will love thee. Give instruction to a wise man, and he will be yet wiser. Teach a just man, and he will increase in learning. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and the knowledge of the holy is understanding. Churches, uh, church members who are unwilling to learn will never increase in knowledge or in learning. They will, be, they will be a continual thorn in the pastor's side. They will fight everything that the pastor tries to do. A resistant spirit can be felt, and it's a big hindrance to the work that Jesus wants to do in the church. And these battles are often in the spiritual realm. I definitely don't want to be a tool of the devil, and I'm sure you don't want to be a tool of the devil in this area, but you can be when we're resistant to whatever the pastor is trying to teach and do and lead under God's direction. If you get offended when someone is trying to help you, then you do have a problem. And God in his mercy may have sent the person along to help you, and if you throw that back in their face, you're, you're the one that will suffer for it, not them. Pastors are a gift that God gives to our church, and we need to understand and value that gift. The main central role of discipleship is that of a learner and a follower. When you look at the disciples of Jesus, that's what they did a lot of, followed and learnt. Jesus is looking for disciples and not religious church members. Many of those who fought so much with Jesus were members of the local synagogue. Some of them even tried to kill Jesus at one point, or many points really. Most of them just wanted to argue and prove their points. There were a few like Nicodemus who really wanted to learn, but they were few and far between. The whole point of being a disciple is to learn, <clears throat> is to learn yourself, and then teach someone else the things you teach to someone else the things that you've learnt. This principle, Paul urges Timothy, and the things which thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men who shall be able to teach others also. What the pastor really wants is members who have a desire for learning, and in turn they'll take what they've learned and minister that to others. If you really want to truly bless the pastor, become a committed disciple that will be teachable and usable. This can actually be a reason why people won't join a church or won't get in and help. It's because they feel they have no need of being taught and they feel like they already know everything and they've got nothing left to learn. There's not much that anyone can teach them. And you know what? At the core of this spirit is pride and nothing good will come from it. If they get corrected or questioned, then the pride inside arises. On the other hand, it's the humble spirit that has a thirst for knowledge and it feels like it can always learn something new. And this is the heart of a true disciple. This is the attitude that is a real blessing to the pastor, the church and the ministries. These are the kind of people that can also be depended upon as well. They will bring exceptional strength and support to the pastor. A good church member will be teachable and will be willing to learn. A good church member will not be a hindrance to the pastor while he's, when he's trying to do his job. And a good church member will desire to be used by God in discipling others. Having a teachable spirit is very important if you want to be a blessing to the pastor and to the ministry. The fifth point, uh, which is a bi very biblical point, honour and respect the pastor. Romans 13.7 says, Render therefore to all their Jews, tribute to whom tribute, custom to whom custom, fear to whom fear, honour to whom honour. Hebrews 
And no man taketh this honour unto himself, but he that is called of God, as was Aaron. When we look at Aaron in the Old Testament, he ministered in spiritual areas and he was called directly by God to do these duties. And therefore he was due honour because of this. In Hebrews, we are reminded of this. So what we can do is we can take that directly and we can apply it to the local church, to the man that God has called to minister there. There's honour in being called by God and we are to give honour to whom honour is due. A good pastor knows that he's not better than anyone else, but respect is given to the office and to the calling. And this aligns with that first point that I've given. By showing respect for the pastor, <clears throat> we also show respect to God. God says the man of God should be honoured, not because they're better than everyone, but because of their calling. It's because God has called them, and that's why we honour it. Hebrews 5.1 says, A minister is taken from among men and is ordained for men in things pertaining to God. And that's why there's honour in doing it, because it's all about God. And therefore, as men, they have potential to failure, just like the rest of us. But just, just remember, just when a judge enters the courtroom, everyone rises. And why is that? Because it's expected and demanded because of the position of the person who has entered the room. We know that the judge is not above the law and if he does something illegal, we expect that he himself will be sitting on the other side of the bar. And that's the same for pastors. If they fall short of the high expectations that God puts on the position, they should too have to answer for it. The church is higher than the courts, so we should show respect and honour to the shepherd God has ordained in the local church we attend. We also know that if the pastor falls, then the biblical way of dealing it must happen to keep the testimony of the church right and to prevent further hurts perpetuating in the church. When you give respect to the position of pastor and place a high value on it, believe it or not, this will really help you when you receive a rebuke or instruction from them. If we're too casual and we don't respect the pastor, um, it's, it's a bit hard to maybe take a rebuke or to take instruction from them because you can feel like you're just hearing it from a mate and that's not good. Sometimes you need more than a mate to tell you what, what's what so you can make those required changes. And God will always bless a church that takes care of their pastor. He can't bless those that don't. So let's properly care for the man God has sent to watch over us and for our kids. So God willing, our future generations will reap the blessings of what we've done today. And the last point, we need to be a blessing to our pastor in multiple ways. A good pastor will give of himself all the time because he desires to be a blessing and to do what God has called him to do. He usually isn't expecting anything in return. And, but as a result of giving of himself, his family, his finances and his health can suffer. When something isn't given in return at all, over time they can, naturally because they are men, become bitter and feel like they've been taken advantage of because they're just humans just like we are. The word of God is clear that we should bless those who have been a blessing to us, especially those that help us in the spiritual areas. Galatians 6.6 6 says, Let him that is taught in the word communicate unto him that teacheth in all good things. And in Romans, Paul talks about that it's the duty of people who receive spiritual things to give back in carnal things, which is basically money and earthly things. Romans 15.27 says, it hath pleased them verily, for their debtors they are. For if the Gentiles have been made partakers of their spiritual things, their duty is also to minister unto them in carnal things. <clears throat> it's a spiritual principle that we should bless those who have blessed us. We are indebted to them to do so, not just financially, this can be done in many ways. 
When the pastor has taught, he has said something or he's done something that's blessed you, let him know. Pastors often leave the pulpit feeling like a failure. They walk away from the service and immediately the devil will start telling them how bad they did. We need to let them know how much their ministry has blessed us. Financially, you can do something like give him a gift voucher so he can take his family out. Most people have no idea about the battles that the average pastor will face, but a small gesture like this may allow him to take his mind off these battles and just focus on his family without having the concerns of the family budget being strained. Another thing you can do is consider giving a regularly monthly or weekly offering on top of your tithe directly to the pastor. This will be a surefire way that you can express gratitude and it will be of untold help to him and his family. And you also will be blessed for doing this as you see the positive impact that you have directly on their lives. You can also, if financially you can't do much, you can always be available and willing to help and you can step up and help with his family. Watch out for his kids and help them. The devil knows that if he can hurt and hinder the pastor's family, then he's going to hurt and hinder the pastor's work. And that'll take his mind off the things that God wants him to be focused on. And on top of this, as a church, we have to make sure we're looking after our pastor as much as possible. Don't begrudge him holidays and breaks. Even if we think, I only get four weeks a year, why does he deserve more? I believe he does just because of the double honour principle. In 1 Timothy 5.17 it says, Let the elders that rule well be counted worthy of double honour, especially those labour in the word and doctrine. For the scripture saith, Thou shalt not muzzle the ox that treadeth out the corn, and the labourer is worthy of his reward. We also, as a church, must financially sustain our pastor. If, you, if anyone can show me from the Bible where it says that the Bible has to struggle through life's financial storms while all the members sail on smooth waters, then I'll take that back. And thankfully, our church has historically looked after our pastor this way. If the people are doing well, so should the pastor. Without a doubt, there is a massive imbalance when we see the tele-evangelists and what happens there, but that's not our example. The Bible is our guide in this area. On top of a good salary, our pastor should not have to take out money out of his own personal finances to do his job. Any expenses that he needs to, so he's ministering to the people and to the church, I believe they should be reimbursed over uh, and above his salary. Because I don't think anyone here is happy to pay for things that the employer should be paying for <laughs> at your jobs. Remember, it's a spiritual principle that we have to bless those financially or carnally when they've blessed us spiritually. We are indebted to them to do so and to God, and not just in financially, but in the many different ways that I've covered. In conclusion, I just want to cover that many churches around Australia, and I think the, of independent Baptist churches, I think the number's around 20 right now looking for a pastor. Thankfully, we've been blessed that we've been able to call a new one who has thankfully accepted that calling. We need to be the members God intended so we can play a key part in what God is trying to do here at Good Shepherd Baptist Church. One thing that I want when I stand before God, when I die, is that God will um, say that I helped my church and my pastor and not hindered them. The Bible teaches in Hebrews, obey them that have the rule over you and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give account, so they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that is unprofitable for you. Our pastor is our shepherd in our church. He has the rule over us in spiritual things. He will give account for his work, but he also he'll give account for how we submit ourselves to, to him and to the work in the church. I want to be profitable with God, so what we need to do is aim so 
to allow him to give a good account to God of us in joy because that's something that we definitely won't regret in eternity. So I'll pray. We'll finish up there. Heavenly Father, thank you for tonight. And uh, Lord, I thank you for all that you've blessed this church with, Lord. I thank you for um, Pastor Hernan, Lord, and for giving us him, Lord. I pray, Father, that you be with him, look after him, and help us as a church, Lord, to treat him as you want him treated, Lord, I pray. Help us, Lord, to um, use your word as a guide, Lord. And I pray, Father, that you'd be pleased to, ble- uh, pleased to um, bless us as we um, faithfully try and serve you, Lord, over these coming uh, months and years, Lord, with our new pastor. I pray, Father, for your hand of blessing upon all that we do as a church. In Jesus' name, amen.